Welcome to Gray Maybe, a limited series podcast and social experiment based on the topic of abortion. My name is Jillian Schmitz. I'm a professional dancer, actor, teacher, author, artist, and cat lover. Through my own personal journey of recovery, I found that things aren't just black or white, or a simple yes or no. For me, in my recovery, there has been mostly gray area and a lot of maybes. In most of my stories, you can find the gray maybe. I'll be sharing my own process through personal stories, interviews, and hopefully stories of others in an effort to help lessen the stigma and shame of abortion. If you'd like me to read your story on this podcast, anonymous or otherwise, please email graymaybestories at gmail.com. G-R-E-Y-M-A-Y-B-E-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. Before we get started, if you haven't already, please subscribe on whichever platform you're using to catch future episodes of Gray Maybe. A note before we begin. While the topic of abortion and my belief in it being easy and accessible to all people who can become pregnant is a comfortable topic for me, sharing my own personal stories is not. I have a justifiable amount of fear of possible hostility and violence, both in person and or online. I also anticipate the possibility of judgment ranging from my own family members to strangers, in addition to the potentiality of losing certain work opportunities for publicizing my own experiences. I'm telling my story through the lens of my own experience. The revelation of my process is mine to tell. If you disagree with me or my views or story, know that I'm not speaking on anything other than my own experiences and viewpoints. Take what you like and leave the rest. Any feelings my story activates in the listener is for the listener to process and recover from. Any criticism you have based on my experience and choices are yours, and they're not my burden to carry. Welcome back. If you've been tuning in each week, I can't thank you enough for continuing to support Gray Maybe as a listener and bearing witness to this social experiment. It's coming up on almost five weeks since I started this podcast. On October 10th, 2022, I shared my abortion story and opened the forum for other people who have had abortions to submit their stories to be read. In the four, almost five weeks, there has been only one story to share besides my own stories. When I decided to do this experiment, I thought there was the potential for some stories, and maybe even a lot of stories, but I couldn't eliminate the doubt I had that there would probably be few to no stories sent in. I really wanted to be wrong, but deep down, I knew this is exactly how it would go. I had this feeling based on my own resistance in telling my stories. I've been overwhelmed with how many people have told me how brave or courageous they thought what I was doing is, but I'll tell you honestly, it doesn't feel that way at first. Happiness feels happy, and sadness feels like sorrow. But bravery doesn't feel brave, and courage doesn't feel courageous. They feel like fear and terror. But something happens when you tell the truth. It becomes yours. The phrase, the truth will set you free, has never before been more appropriate. I feel free. Apparently, this statement originates from John 8.32, where Jesus Christ addressed a group of Jews who believed in him. The English variant, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I might be the least religious person I know, so my alignment to this phrase feels ironic at best. I may not have more true stories to share, but I do have a weapon of truth for this week's episode. I have an OBGYN with over 30 years of experience in the field. 
I felt pretty confident in my knowledge on the subjects I asked Dr. R about, but I ended up learning quite a bit. And my producer, Roderick, wanted me to make a note here, explaining that I get very excitable in this conversation with Dr. R as I learn new things. Roderick is sensitive to the idea that someone could misinterpret my excitement of information with excitement about abortion. However, I ask anyone confused by my enthusiasm, what's wrong with being enthusiastic about abortion? What's wrong with being eager about factual information about women and pregnant people and their reproductive health? Okay, this is really, really exciting. I have a doctor on this show today, like a real doctor who deals with lady parts. Uh, Dr. R, welcome to the Gray Maybe podcast. Hi, thank you. I'm Dr. R. I'm a board-certified OBGYN. I've been doing this for uh, close to 30 years. Wow, 30 years. Okay, that's that's pretty incredible. Okay, so we definitely well, 30 can... years since I started my residency. So okay. it's, it's just a nice big number I can use. Excellent. And now I, I know of you. I don't know you. I know two things about you. I know that you're a lady, what I call a lady parts doctor. And uh, I know that you're a mother. That's all I know about you. Um, so I'm glad to have those credentials. I know, you know, that's 30 years is a, is a long time for it any is. career, specifically one dealing in a medical field. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna hop right into it. I have tons of questions for you. I have tons of questions because um, I want like real answers. Someone who's who's a specialist in this in this kind of stuff. Um, okay, jumping right off. What? Okay, I hear this term. I see this term a lot. What does non-viable mean? So non-viable means a lot of different things. Uh, we use the term viable in two different ways. We use the term viable in meaning an early pregnancy to mean that there's cardiovascular activity and it looks like a pregnancy is progressing properly. Um, we also use the term viable when we're talking about a fetus uh, before it's born, whether that fetus could survive outside the womb or not. There is no hard and fast definition for viability at either end. Um, we can see cardiovascular activity before six weeks. We like to see it by six weeks. We should see it by six weeks. And remember that when we talk about weeks, we talk about six weeks estimated gestational age, but six weeks is really far, um, four weeks of the pregnancy because we start counting two weeks before people get pregnant. Wow. And it's important to discuss these things because when- Wait a minute, hold on, I'll stop, pause, pause. You start, hold on. We start, okay, I need you to say it again. Because this is, I didn't know that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hold up. So you start, when do you start counting weeks of a pregnancy? You start counting weeks from a pregnancy from the first day of the last normal period. So technically, when we say, if you- So like an egg traveling, weeks, an egg traveling down the fallopian tube. Ish. No? You're not even Later. there yet. <gasps> you're not even there yet. Okay. Well, okay. So- Let's, I don't know if we should go there now or not, but so if, if there's, if there's heartbeat laws, right? Heartbeat yes. laws that are about when you can terminate a pregnancy. Yes. You're, you're 
ladies, your time clock starts before your egg is even dropped. Basically, so when politicians are saying that someone is sick, you know, there's a, there's a quote heartbeat, and we're going to get into that too, that there's cardiovascular activity at six weeks. Um, that's six weeks from someone's last normal period. They've actually only been pregnant. It's not even pregnant. They've only ovulated two weeks before that. That's the convention. So they haven't been pregnant very long. Most certainly before someone would know they're pregnant, which is what a lot of people are saying. You, you hear it's, that? It's many people. If you were trying to get pregnant and you had normal cycles, you know, you would know. If you weren't trying to get pregnant, if your cycles are not regular, you, you wouldn't necessarily know anything yet. Both of the times I was pregnant and had abortions, I was right within the window of if I was in a heartbeat bill state, I, I would have either maybe just made the cutoff or I would not have. And That's very early. Yeah, it, it, it was like around five to six weeks, five to six weeks. And if I couldn't, you know, with my second abortion, I was up against a time clock of my scheduling of when I could get in before I needed to go do all these things that would make it very difficult for me to have the procedure. And that was at six weeks. So it was it. And I, and, and that was when I had symptoms, but I was keen to those symptoms. Like, you know, not everybody has massive symptoms. Not everybody is, you know, not everybody has the insight and then right. people are going to write them off. Right. Of so course. All those early things. Of course. I, I mean, I once took care of somebody who delivered a full term baby who was in her mid-40s, who had never been pregnant before, knew her symptoms, knew she had, you know, all this gas, which she, what she thought was gas, which was fetal movement. Right. Knew she had an expanding belly and had actually been to physicians with these problems, none of whom expected that she was pregnant. So your mind can do a lot of things. If Wait you're a not minute. The pregnancy. No one gave her a pregnancy test at any point in time. No, she was in her mid to late 40s. And um, it wasn't until she was in labor that that it was discovered. I wish anybody could see my face right now. I don't even have words. Like my whole face is in, I'm, I'm sad for her. That was, I can tell that story and be anonymous. And because that story happens every day around the country. Oh, of course it does. That's not the first time I've heard that. I'm just so surprised that like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm surprised about. I, I have a, a, a girlfriend I know who didn't know she was pregnant till like six or seven months. You know, and same deal. It was like, well, did no one give you a pregnancy test or what? You know, I don't know. Okay, so that happens. Um, so non-viable is, can be a flexible term, but it's basically yes. to kind of decipher if things are progressing along the... When, when it's used in early pregnancy, non-viable refers to a pregnancy that is not progressing normally. When we use it in the at latter parts of pregnancy viability of a fetus refers to a fetus that once it's a baby and can survive outside can survive outside the womb doesn't mean necessarily mean that it can survive without help because you can deliver a baby at 24 weeks right or tw even 23 weeks that requires extreme intensive care right but at a certain point there's no amount of anything we have that could mimic the womb at a certain point right correct yeah um okay so what would you say? And I don't, I don't expect you to have like a cited source of a percentage, but is it common to have abnormal, 
maladies found, either in early and late pregnancy? Early like- pregnancy, um, if you look at all pregnancies, including people who didn't know they were pregnant, it's about 25% wow. will end in miscarriage. So about 25% have some kind of an abnormality that does not allow the pregnancy to grow. Pregnancy is a really cool, amazing miracle if you look at it, right? You have an egg and a sperm. They meet. They form a zygote. That zygote then, that's one cell, it, it then divides into two cells, and then those cells all divide. And every time they divide, there's a chance for an error. Mm-hmm. One error early on dooms that pregnancy. Mm. So when you think about all the different cells that have to divide, the fact that we ever have babies. That right, that anybody is, anybody like is functional. <laughs> Okay, a 25% is fairly large. That's like one out of four, right? That's one out of four. If you look at people who um, know they're pregnant, the number is smaller. It's more like 10 to 15% of known pregnancies. Okay. It's just when we add in all the people who didn't know that they were pregnant, who, you know, maybe their period was a day or two late and, and you know, they lost the pregnancy and they didn't know they were ever pregnant. Okay. Oh, interesting. So the women, y- y'all could have been miscarried. You don't even know it. Okay. Yep. All right. So now this one's, this is a a really hard question, but can you tell us what a stillbirth is in case anybody doesn't know what that is? A stillbirth is when the, um, is when the baby is born without a heartbeat. So the baby is born dead. So it either passed away in utero, in the uterus or on the way out. And what do you know a statistic or like a any kind of a close like how common that is or uncommon that is it's not that common it's um it's not uncommon either it's like one out of 150 160 that range okay and that's that's counting anybody from like 20 weeks or so on okay and most pregnancies are going to be lost before 20 weeks the vast majority are lost before 12 weeks Okay, so majority of pregnancies are going to go bad 12 weeks, then 20 weeks, very few in the end. Yeah. Here. Now, I have heard of this happening, and I don't know if this is common or not, of the realm of stillbirths. I've heard of a woman having a stillbirth, like before she births the baby, that the baby has passed away, and she's not going into natural labor. Mm-hmm. So- what, what is the, what happens? What do you, what do they do? So it depends on what her gestational age is. If it's someone who is like mid second trimester through third trimester, like we induce labor, just like anybody, you know, who actually is going to deliver a live baby. If it's earlier, then there's a possibility if you have an experienced, um, physician of having a surgical procedure you know in the early 20 weeks you can there's a few there are a few of us OBGYNs out there who can still do those procedures now I feel like people think that those are abortions would you medically classify them as abortions or is there a different term that like those types of procedures would be labeled under so abortion is a funny word, right? Abortion yeah. means, in medically speaking, it means the end of a pregnancy. Okay. The end so of a, you, abortion just means the end of a pregnancy. Right. So you can have a spontaneous abortion, 
which is like in the first trimester. And what does that mean? I, like that's, I did like. Or, that's when you miscarry. Oh, so a miscarriage is also considered a spontaneous abortion. A miscarriage is a spontaneous abortion. If I ever miscarry, I'm going to label it a spontaneous abortion. Mm-hmm. And I actually. You can have. So there's different. There's all different words we use with that. There's threatened abortion. Someone who just has vaginal bleeding. Cervix isn't open. That's right. a threatened abortion. Okay. Now, if you mention threat. that in the lay press, people are going to think a threatened abortion is someone who's threatening to go to an abortion clinic, right? Right. Okay. Well, I, listen, I do want to encourage women right now because miscarriage is um, super common and it's yeah. another thing that women don't talk about as much. However, there is way less shame surrounding miscarriage. Absolutely. I think there's still a shame surrounding it. That's why we don't talk about it. But there's way less shame um, surrounding miscarriage. But I really... I really, and I'm not trying to be crude or rude or provocative, maybe provocative, but I really encourage you, women, start calling your miscarriages spontaneous abortions. Like, and, why and not? That's when it's, uh, so we have spontaneous, we have threatened, we have inevitable. And what's that? Oh, like inevitable, a- the cervix is open. And there could, or there may or may not be cardiovascular activity. So but the cervix is opening, there's bleeding. Right, so you you're going, going into happen. labor. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's in- inevitable. And then complete just means everything has passed out. I think those are all the words. Incomplete means some some of the products have come out. Right, like if, a, if you lose a placenta, it's over. Right, you lose Game's a placenta or, or, you know, a lot of times the, the – um, the embryo isn't developing correctly. You may have something okay. called a blighted ovum where like a fetal pole, no fetal part ever really developed. So it's just kind of like a, it's kind of like a placenta and a bag. Okay. Um, you know, those kinds of things. Okay. That is. I... So, and it's interesting you bring up the shame. You know, yeah. when I had my first miscarriage, my grandmother was still alive and she called me and she told me, she felt like she took blame for it because she had had something like four miscarriages herself. Well, how was I already 30 years old and didn't know that my grandmother ever had a miscarriage? Mm-hmm. It was something that she was ashamed of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's some kind of, I think the first, I think that this default is like, what did I do? I must have done something. I mean, I know that my default emotions are always guilt and shame for some reason. <laughs> but and, and, and I think everybody does that. They go, oh, I took this antibiotic. Right. I this, I, I did that. Yeah. And we go back to what I said in the beginning about those cells, right? We start with one cell, it divides, and then we have hundreds of cells. Something, a, a mistake. It's so easy for it to happen. And, you know, like, we don't start blaming ourselves for, like, scalp psoriasis or some shit like that. And that is, like, an overgrowth of cells, too, on a certain level. Is it not? Like, I'm not a doctor. But um, it's interesting, right? I don't know. I don't know why that gets really complicated, but it does for people. But I am definitely, if I ever have a miscarriage, I'm going to call it a spontaneous abortion. And then I'm going to say, you know, a miscarriage. Because I think that the word abortion is hard. It, the word abortion was really hard for me to say for a really long time. Even when I would go to the doctor and they'd be like, have you ever had any surgeries? I'd be like, I, I had um, uh, one, one termination. And, one, and, and I couldn't even and say And you abortion. know what? The medical term, termination of pregnancy, is mm-hmm. a, that is also a correct term. Right. And I felt better about that than saying abortion. And that's because language matters and people have taken the word and made it mean something that it isn't. That's a good point. Okay, so all the talk about miscarriage, um, 
in, in some of these states, I'm a little concerned because there is this campaign to kind of criminalize abortion. And if someone had a miscarriage or someone had an abortion, how would you be able to tell the difference afterwards? You can't. So if someone's miscarrying and someone wanted to say, wanted to penalize them for some reason, maybe there's like some weird interpersonal relationship stuff going on. If like a man wanted to say, oh, she had an abortion and she's experiencing a miscarriage, how would they? How would it's she- a real problem because if let's say you have what we call, I mentioned threatened abortion, right? Or an incomplete or an inevitable abortion. You have one of those. We can give you mesoprostol, Cytotec. It's a medication. Um, people have heard of it for ulcers, but it works to help expel the contents of the uterus. Now, with this- And it's also used to do, um, you know, a voluntary termination of pregnancy. Right. So, it's so also that would used be for abortion. The abortion pill. Mm-hmm. That they would give you as one of the options if you wanted to have an abortion pill. Right. Well, so when they give you the abortion pill, they usually give you the two pills, right? right. They give you um, RU46, I guess it is, mifeprestone, and um, mesoprostol. Uh, so, yeah, you can't tell. Fun fact, in the mid-90s, when I was a high school student, I did a paper on RU486, which was before it came to the U.S. It was only in Europe, and that's why I did a paper on it. And I was so jazzed about it, you know, being like 16 and being like, this is amazing. And everyone being like, you're a baby killer, um, uh, you know, or whatever that was, whatever the ideas were behind it, because it was the 90s and it was just as controversial, if not more. Um, but I, so I'm so glad you said RE486, because I remember doing a paper on that. And then we got the, you know, we got it here so much later. But but those medications are also given if someone is experiencing a miscarriage to help them move that along. Yeah, well, the side attack is, yes. Okay. Yes. And um, one of the medications that we use, we haven't talked about ectopic pregnancies yet, but one of the medications that we use to treat ectopic pregnancy, the medication, methotrexate, is used for many other things, including chemotherapy. It's used to treat lupus. And I have heard stories of pharmacists not prescribing it because it's also used to end a pregnancy, an ectopic pregnancy. Or a pregnancy of unknown location. Okay, so there's a couple of things I want to get into on that because I have gone to a pharmacist before and they would not sell me Plan B. And then another pharmacist had to step up and give it to me. Now, I was lucky that another pharmacist was working that night, right? Um, so I, I, I find it, it's like to me so insane that someone can have that much control over someone else's medical desires, you know, or they're like, I don't know, but that's and a whole plan other... B doesn't cause a miscarriage. No. And it is not an abortion pill. Not anywhere near it. Can you the tell me idea of plan B is to delay ovulation. Okay. So, so what's wrong with delaying ovulation? I mean, obviously plan B can also work in other ways. It is a progestin based medication, so the point of it is to delay ovulation so that you don't get pregnant right. if the sperm are still there. Um, it might also interfere with the sperm and the egg meeting. It might also interfere with implantation, but those are lesser and those are more like possible. The point of plan B, bleh, plan B is to delay 
ovulation so that the sperm has nothing to meet up with. And the other, uh, and basically what birth control is as far as the pill, the birth control pill is the same thing. Correct. Okay. So anybody. Well, the birth control pill is to stop ovulation. Right. The oral contraceptive. Right. Um, That's what the point is. Right. Yeah. So plan B is closer to a birth control pill than it is the abortion pill. In fact, the ingredient in plan B is one of the same ingredients that is in some of the oral contraceptives. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know for people. Um, In fact, before plan B was on the market, we used, we would give people, um, just tell them to take multiple pills. Like a huge dose of, of birth control. Yeah. Not that anybody should be giving themselves like a don't go don't go grab a birth control and take like ten of them. Don't do something like right, that. Right, because just they also get... usually have estrogen in them. Yeah, and yeah. That, you don't want too much of that either. Yeah, so. yeah. Just just go go get Plan B. You can get it everywhere. Um. So, tell me then what an ectopic pregnancy is because I thought that the only way to solve an ectopic pregnancy was surgery. No. So an ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy that is not in the correct location in the uterus, and I'm very specific with my language on that because there is a form of ectopic pregnancy that actually happens inside the uterus. When we talk about ectopic pregnancy, we're usually talking about a pregnancy that happens in the fallopian tube. So this is like an egg and a sperm have met in the fallopian tube, not in the uterus. Right. So well, clearly... and that's where they normally meet. They normally meet in the tube and then, and then they, they travel, travel down. down the tube. Okay. So, so it... you can yes, imagine. They didn't travel down. They got stuck. Right. So you can imagine like trying to grow you know, blow up a, a a very large balloon in an open field versus blowing it up in a small closet. <laughs> right. Eventually. Or actually blowing it up in something that expands because right. the uterus ex- well, will expand okay. and expand properly Got and it. it will expand almost infinitely, not yes. quite. Um, but the fallopian tube will only expand a little bit. And then it'll burst. And then it'll burst and then you can bleed to death. Wonderful. Okay, so yeah. the, so ectopic so it's pregnancy. really important to identify ectopic pregnancies as soon as we can. And now that you said right? that there's a type of ectopic pregnancy that can happen in the uterus. Yes, there's something called a corneal ectopic. So the, t- the corner of the uterus is the cornea. So it's C-O-R-N-U-A. Okay. And that part of the uterus, it's up by the tube. And it doesn't stretch the same way. Got it. So you can have a pregnancy that's actually in the uterus and as it grows and it gets further along than in the tube because it has a bit more space, yeah. that can also basically explode and the patient can bleed to death. That does not sound desirable. Scary stuff. Yeah, right? it's super scary. I think every woman who might be listening right now is like gripping an ovary and being like, yeah, I could feel how that would feel. Um, okay. So, and and I, I've seen some really crazy stuff on the Twitter and things uh, people talk like okay this is to me this is so uh, uh mythical that i don't even want to say it but i'm gonna say it um i'll ask the question are ectopic pregnancies ever viable never so so there's well no, no i'm gonna take the, i'm gonna take that back okay because we used to hear about these horrible pregnancies like back when I was a resident you know 30 years ago and it was my attendings who are now my who are the age I am now okay talking about stuff that happened 30 50 years before then so an ectopic pregnancy very very rarely 
would rupture through the tube and then implant on some random part of the body. And the pregnancy would continue and become an abdominal pregnancy. So the pregnancy is not in the uterus. It's horrible. It's just a surgical disaster, a disaster for the mom and the baby, who both of whom may not survive. Extremely rare. I have never come across one in my career. Only the stories that my older attendings who were right. like back in probably the even day, older than I am. They were probably in their 60s. Right. So you this know. is back in the day where you didn't have near as much equipment to tell how things right. are going earlier. Right. You didn't have the early ultrasounds. Right. You didn't have the quantitative beta HCG, the blood test. Right. The that testing. you can test the level of the pregnancy hormones in the body. You didn't have any of that. So it would very rarely happen. But maternal death, you know, it's a significant thing. It's still a significant problem. And this is, you know, ectopic pregnancies are a significant cause of maternal death. I'm still blown away that all of a sudden you could have an abdominal baby, not a uterus baby. Well, like I said, I've never seen it. Okay. (laughs) I have never seen it. Okay. But But as far as you know, when we're talking about ectopic pregnancies, like there isn't any ectopic pregnancy you've ever known to produce a baby that you could somehow be able to keep alive. No, you can't. You cannot take... um, we're basically talking about something that's, you know, embryo, early fetus. Right. You, you can't take that pregnancy. I, I've heard politicians come, I think some guy in Ohio come and go with idea. Oh, you can just take it and put it in the uterus. It, it just doesn't work that way. It shows absolute ignorance over science and how pregnancy works and, you know, the, how, how pregnancies actually implant, the way the arterioles work, all, all the little fine things. Yeah, it's not possible. We're, we're getting quite advanced, but not there yet, bro. Well, <laughs> like I don't think not we'll there. ever. I don't think so there. either. No, I don't think it's, um, I don't think that's going to be. Well, I mean, technically we, we are kind of there, but in a completely different way, like with IVF and, Correct. and, and with IVF, and but that pregnancy things, but wasn't growing anywhere no, in the tube. No, no, exactly. <laughs> that's not, it's not, it's not a replantation. This isn't a plant that you're just going to replant somewhere. It's not, yes. it's not the same thing. Okay. Um, this is very good information. Um, okay. So it's really important when if anybody's at risk for ectopic pregnancy, I want to throw this out there. Yes. It's, um, call it pregnancy of unknown location, right? Because okay. in the beginning, you have a positive pregnancy test. Maybe the hormone's not high enough that we can see anything yet. So we don't know where it is. Oh, interesting. Right? Okay. So, so you're looking around, you're like, you're reading pregnant. We know things are there, but we can't find it. We don't see anything in the uterus. We don't see anything anywhere else. So maybe your hormone levels aren't high enough. Those early hormone levels, the beta HCG level, is supposed to double every 48 hours. Mm-hmm. So you, we might follow the blood test till they get to a high enough number mm-hmm. that we should be able to see something. Okay. And let's say we get up there and we still not see anything. We might want to follow it a tiny bit longer. And then you're like, maybe it's twins, if it's a desired pregnancy. If it's not a desired pregnancy, then you might want to go ahead and treat it medically so that we never get to that surgical emergency where you have to go in and remove a tube or someone's at risk of their tube rupturing and dying. And that's like, it's internal bleeding is what happens. It's internal bleeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And it doesn't have to be like a big, I think the worst bleeding case I ever saw, the pregnancy had not actually ruptured through the tube. It was starting to, and there was a little teeny tiny artery. The smallest little artery that was just pumping out blood, but it was an artery. And she had so many liters in her belly. It, 
she literally would have died had she not been in the hospital at that moment. Wow. Wow. No okay. question. This brings me to another question that I have about, um, it's a lot to me, it's along the lines of internal bleeding. Um, I mean, there's a lot of ways, I mean, not a lot of ways, but there, there is ectopic pregnancy. If it bursts, right. You're going to, you're, you're, you're internally bleeding. Um, in labor, women can bleed to death, right? Yes. I have a friend who in both of her pregnancies, had she not been in a hospital and received blood, she would have died. Um, and that's just one that I know of. I'm sure there's another one, someone who maybe is, has traumatic trauma from that and doesn't want to talk about it, but you know, that's not, super uncommon, you know, like women used to die a lot during childbirth and that has not changed. Our care has changed a little bit, you know, but, um, not as much that it is still a super dangerous thing. Um, what is sepsis? So sepsis is a bacterial infection that gets into the bloodstream. And then there is, um, basically, a your whole body responds. There's like this large immunogenic response, immunologic response. And is sepsis dangerous? Sepsis is deadly. Okay. And can women get sepsis during pregnancy and or birth? Yes. And how does that happen? Good question. <laughs> I wish I knew sometimes. Okay. So, so sometimes we just don't know. All of a sudden someone's we gone don't know, septic. Right? I mean, the normal vaginal flora has a whole lot of bacteria. That's perfectly normal and not a problem. But if that bacteria gets into the uterus, if it gets into the bloodstream, then it can be a problem. You know, like, just like you have bacteria in your mouth, right? There's oral bacteria mm-hmm. and that bacteria is perfectly fine, but that bacteria doesn't belong in your eye. It doesn't belong, you know, in your bloodstream. So could you get sepsis if you're experiencing a miscarriage? Yes. Yes. And that's oh another type of abortion we didn't mention, right? Another medical term, septic abortion. So if you're either like, could sepsis cause a, 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 a It can abortion? go either way. Sepsis okay. can cause the abortion or the, um, there can be an intrauterine infection, an infection in the uterus that causes the miscarriage abortion, whatever term you want to use. Mm-hmm. And then that can go into the bloodstream and that, yeah, it can go either way. And can you get sepsis from someone checking your uterus or vaginal? See, I'm not even using the right Probably term. not. We use Probably gloves. Not. Okay. Um, you know, but the risk does increase in labor when the cervix is open and um, the water is broken, right? The bag of water is open. Right. So you know, you might be pushing more bacteria up there. Right. So when people have, when their water has been broken for a long period of time, we'll do start, we will start antibiotics. As a precautionary. We do check every pregnant woman for um, group B strep, which is, you know, one of the common causes of these issues and cause of disease and illness, severe illness in babies too. So everybody's checked for that so that if you have, or if you're a carrier of group B strep, which once again is a normal everyday bacteria, but it's not normal in the uterus. It's not normal in the bloodstream. And it's not normal for babies. Right. Um, Everybody's got to stay in their lane. That can, kill, that can kill babies. Oh, wow. Okay. So streptococcus, streptococcus is that bacteria, group right? B, group B streptococcus. Okay. Yeah. That can kill babies. And um, 
that's what everyone should be focused. All these people who are afraid that people are killing babies, they should be looking at streptococcus because that kills. Honestly, <laughs> yes. Uh, honestly, well, okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, but so so every uh, so so everybody's got to stay in their lane as far as you know, like uh, uh, the blood has to stay in its lanes, not outside of its lanes, or you bleed out. Streptococcus has to stay in the areas it needs to be in as a bacteria. And if it goes to other areas yes. that it shouldn't, it's bad. So everything's got to be in harmony. And if anything, yeah. And you know, there's harmony, so many things we haven't talked about, but you're bringing up the point that pregnancy is a dangerous form of life, you know, a dangerous state in life, right? Yeah. It's more dangerous to be pregnant than it is to be not pregnant. Oh, 100%. 100%. I, I don't know anybody who would actually be able to argue that. I mean, I, I don't know how you would argue that. Right. So if you're forcing people to be pregnant for any reason. Right. You're forcing them to take a risk with their, their life. life. Yeah. And uh, just because I want to talk about a little bit more about sepsis, because clearly I'm obsessed about septic, being going septic. <laughs> I Because I've heard of this. Okay. So also, can you, I, I, I know one person who, while they were in labor, um, their water broke and the something about the color of the water breaking was like not good which meant that the baby had had a bowel movement in correct during so, the, so the baby had meconium which is basically a bowel movement so it's it's all the tissue and cells the waste that builds up but it's not like waste like we get from eating it right goes in through it's right. just like all the cells and things that are in the intestines and if the baby's under some kind of stress during the pregnancy at the end or you're in labor or whatever, um, that will come out into the amniotic fluid. If it's thick, you know, that, that can be a concern because the baby then can get that, um, you know, because it's swallowing the fluid while it's inside and they can go into the lungs. Right, because the baby's still, problems. you know, kind of like an underwater fish situation. Exactly. Okay, yeah. and and is that under is that like sepsis as well no that's different no, that's a different different thing. okay yeah. see i gotta get all this stuff cleared up in my head okay all right we're gonna send you to medical school and then residency right. i only have like 20 like listen i wrote these questions out i thought i knew the answers i've learned a lot more um uh now i really can be a know-it-all uh <laughs> um i really i'm gonna have some great points at christmas uh, Christmas time. That's what that's what this really boils down to is you're giving me all of my talking points that I'm going to need. Um, okay, so I'm looking down my list here. Uh, what is a partial birth abortion? Like, I don't even know what that is. I hear that term. You a know lot. what? The first time I heard that was in, I think I was in residency. So it was in the 90s the first time I heard that phrase. I didn't learn it in medical school. And I went to look it up in a book, you know, in an OBGYN textbook, a Bible of OBGYN. Right. And it wasn't there. Do you know? Of course you know why. It's because it's not a medical term. So so what, why are people saying that? Why are people saying what, what, what are they? I think, so this is what, this is my guess. And I did have a, um, a professor when I was in residency who was big in Planned Parenthood, I think. And um, he would do what we call today complex family planning. He mm. would take care of patients who had um, more complex needs for um, termination of their pregnancies. So he told us about a situation where, um, like a 
a historical situation. We're talking generations before. Let's say a baby had hydrocephalus. What hydrocephalus? The heck is hydrocephalus. Take the, so look at the the roots of the words. Everything in medicine water comes hydro from Greek water. Or okay, the water and the head, right? So they had hydrocephalus. The skull can grow to two to three times normal size, maybe even more. I don't I don't really know exactly how much. So there is all this extra um, spinal cerebral spinal fluid in the skull. And it grows and grows and grows. It crushes the brain. So the brain doesn't really develop. So you have basically a fetus with a huge skull. And right? no brain activity. And, and no brain activity or minimal brain or, or, or brain damage. Now, today we have people born with hydrocephalus every day <laughs> who live normal lives because we treat it and we know more about it. I'm talking before we had ultrasound, you know, before we really... So you can actually, if you're, if you're looking at someone who's having a pregnancy and they see, and you can tell that this is having, that they're going down this road of this condition, you guys can actually treat it in utero. So there are some people who can treat these things in utero or they can deliver the baby before it gets too severe and then treat it surgically outside the uterus. Because you've been paying Um, attention, you're looking. Right. Or. Or it could be very severe early on, and the patient may say, hey. I don't want to take the risk. I, I'm not taking the risk to myself or, or you know, or to this pregnancy. But so, only if you're in a state that you would be allowed to do that. Correct. Okay. Um, so Which, which so, before recent years, that really could happen anywhere. Right. You, know, you any could state, do that. You could, could do that. You had the yeah. right. Yeah. You had the right to at any point. Before in time. the last year. Right. Recently, this has changed. Okay. And and so what was... Oh, so I want to get back to what portion... Yeah, por- way por- back por- in por- the day. So what he explained was this procedure and it was the baby would deliver, like let's say the feet, but the head would be stuck. Right, because so the head is massive. Right. They would have instruments that they would use. So you would say, you know, the baby, it's still connected to the mom. The placenta is still working. So the baby is partially born. Okay. Body is outside. But the head won't come out, so they would use instruments to decompress the head so that they could remove it from the mother. And so this is something that happened way back in the day because it a, a, a pregnancy has gotten to a point where you, you didn't – it had gotten so far past being able to help this situation. And this is probably in a time – is it pre-Roe v. Wade? Is it pre-1972? Oh, I'm sure it's pre-Roe v. Wade. So yeah. – if anything, and it's and I, and I think it's probably it's pre obviously the kind of ultrasounds we have today. We can right. look at the nasal bones like those right. kinds of things. So you know. the the care was there. There was no option of of a safe and legal abortion to help Correct. that situation. If right. It was so this is a historical old procedure, and I'm thinking that is maybe what people were talking about. There's right. also a procedure called, you know. DNC, right? Dilation and curatage. There's dilation and evacuation. There also was a procedure, and I don't remember when it was, when it came about, called DNX, mm-hmm. dilation and extraction, mm-hmm. where they would dilate the cervix and use forceps. We, we say forceps a lot in, in medicine because that's what we call our instruments. Mm-hmm. It's more like tongs. They would mm-hmm. use some kind of tong type use tongs thing to go in. To deliver babies too, right? To well, those are force. Those are different yeah. kind of force. We use the word forceps for lots of things. We also use them for little tiny things to grab little tiny things. So those are called tweezers. Can, hey, those are called tweezers. 
yeah, they're forceps. Oh, okay. so, I'm going to call my so tweezers forceps from now on. They, so they would use instruments to sort of pull out the preg- the products okay. of conception, the pregnancy, the fetus. Okay. okay. And so that's, and that, that would be more advanced than, let's say, the kind that you would do with suction when you're trying to perform a ter- pregnancy termination. So I think that DNX procedure is also something that when people talk about partial They're trying to talk about abortions, that. I think they might also be talking about that. I don't really know because... It doesn't exist in your medical journal. It's not a thing. You don't know anyone who's performed a partial birth abortion. No. You don't know any woman who's come in and said, I would like a partial birth abortion. (laughs) No, I don't. You don't know know any. There's (laughs) you haven't heard in any of your colleagues of someone saying like, uh, hey, I had to do a partial abortion, a partial birth abortion. even, Even the folks in what we call today complex family planning. I don't they I don't think they even have something that they call that because it's not it's not a medical procedure it's not a medical term it's something a a lay person created to describe something but I don't know what okay and uh, can you tell us a little bit more about a DNC I have had friends who have had um, spontaneous abortions aka miscarriages and they had to have a DNC and from my understanding what that was and you will correct me or elaborate is that her body was not expelling the embryo fetus, I don't know where she was in her pregnancy. It wasn't super late into the pregnancy. It was definitely first trimester, maybe second trimester at the absolute most. And she had to have a DNC because her body was not dispelling. And now because that um, spontaneous abortion, aka miscarriage, had passed, there was no life. It's now dead material and it's sitting inside of her and it could cause what? Sepsis. Okay, so not good, not good. Right. She, it could cause death. So what? So a DNC is the is what so would be DNC, one of the, You can actually do a DNC on someone that's not pregnant. It means dilation and curettage. Okay. So dilation refers to needing to open the cervix. Okay. So that you can get instruments of some sort into the uterus. Okay. When it's in the first trimester of pregnancy, or someone's not pregnant, we call it DNC. Okay. And it's D and, not D N. Sometimes right. I see D- people and, like D-N-C. the and sign. Yeah. The and yeah. little and. Because it's dilation and curettage. A N D. Yes. Okay. And so you've done that without it needing to be pregnancy. You do it with it being pregnancy. Um, you can do it with what we call a non-viable pregnancy, right? A pregnancy right? that doesn't have any kind of cardiovascular activity or didn't develop normally. You can do it. Um, in a voluntary termination of pregnancy, someone who's, quote, coming for an abortion, okay. you know, an elective, an elective termination right. of pregnancy. I do not do want to that. be pregnant. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because it's scary and deadly <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, <Yeah. laughs> whatever your reasoning is. Um, okay. Here's another term I'm hearing all over the place. What is a late term abortion? That's a really good question. That's another term I had to look up. Okay. And I found nothing. Okay. So wait, wait. There's no. Once again, I was in residency when, when people were throwing around these terms, you know, in the 90s of late term abortion, partial birth abortion, all these things. And, you know, here I had, I had already been to medical school. I'd done my OBGYN rotation. I'd done extra rotations in OBGYN because I, I developed an interest in it as, you know, as I went through medical school. And I was already in residency, and um, I didn't 
know what that was because it's not a thing. Okay. And why is it not a thing? Because it isn't. So I don't so, even know what they're talking about. What are they talking about when they say late term? Late term is a pregnancy that has gone beyond 40 weeks. Okay. Which is nine months. Or nine to 10, almost 10 months. Right. So it's a pregnancy that's gone beyond the due date. Really 41 weeks. Really a week. Okay. Weeks, and, it's really a full week. That's late term. People who don't know, pregnancy is actually 10 months. It's not nine months. Right, because remember, we're counting the pregnancy from before you were actually yeah. even ovulated. Right. So when people are like, it's just nine months, you're like, actually, it's 10. <laughs> actually. <laughs> yeah, so anyone who's had a baby knows that it's 10 months. Um, right, your due date is 40 weeks. Okay. Anybody who goes over their due date today, we call that late term. Okay, and so no one's coming in at the 11th hour or the 10th hour, I guess, the 9th hour and saying, I would like to abort this pregnancy. No. No, no one is doing that. No one is. You don't know anyone who's come in at nine months and said, I'd like, I changed my mind. Well, I mean, I have seen a patient, you know, someone like a young teenager who was in the late 30 somethings, a pregnancy who was running around trying to find a place to have a termination, not understanding that it's too late. They didn't understand that their baby was five you know their fetus right. it's not really born but once this child was born that this was a viable pregnancy this was not a pregnancy that could be terminated so no one's going to allow you infanticide correct and infanticide is killing a baby correct okay so now if i if if someone was in their ninth month or even 10th month of a pregnancy and all of a sudden something went very wrong. Like, whoops, we didn't figure out that this baby is now, or this fetus is not going to survive. Right. That this baby hour. doesn't have a, have kidneys. This baby doesn't have lungs that work. Whatever. This baby doesn't have a fully, a full brain. And know? if it's like, born, whatever. it will just suffer or it will live maybe an hour or you know, a short period of time or if, your baby has passed away. Like we talked about stillbirth mm-hmm. or, um, you may die in this situation because of something that has happened. Something's changed. Is that what people might, do you think that maybe the confusion? I, I, I think that is what people are saying. And, um, I think, that's all I can, maybe it's later term. Maybe that's what the, maybe they're really missing an R. <laughs> later, right. a later trimester pregnancy. Right. You know? Um, so I'm going to back up a bit to um, voluntary terminations of pregnancy for non-medical reasons or for any reason. Less than 1% of them are happening beyond 24 weeks. So what you're just asking about, about babies that could be viable with, you know, if they're born at 24 or mm-hmm. 26 or 28 weeks or whatever mm-hmm. um, that, you know, they, with intensive care that they could survive if everything is normal. That's accounts for far less than 1% okay. of all terminations. So yes, people can in certain States terminate pregnancies in those situations. And the vast majority of them are simply going to be doing a delivery. So people- they're going to, their labor is going to be induced. So for, so for people who might be uh, running around talking about late-term abortions, someone who's having, which isn't a medical term, a late-term abortion is probably in one of the worst situations 
that they've ever found themselves. Yes, they're probably in a, in a horrible situation, losing a pregnancy that they may have desired. And even right. if they didn't desire, they have become attached. If they didn't desire in the beginning, they've become attached. This is a wanted pregnancy with a severe medical issue. And I think that when people are talking about these so-called late-term abortions, which are not a thing, right. um, they're talking about these horrible situations. And, 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 it's, and it's a sin. It's honestly a sin that people are talking about this as if it happens electively. As right. if it happens, oh, because I don't want to be pregnant. No, right. it there's happens the because it's a horrible, horrible medical situation. Yes, it's, it's this flippant idea of that it's just now, oh, I forgot to uh, take care of this and uh, yeah. run it out of time. I've only got four weeks left. I just got to make this deadline. Uh, it, that That is um, what I've kind of focused in on and I've gotten slightly um, really obsessed, for lack of a better word, is this all-encompassing idea that anything about pregnancy, abortion, spontaneous abortion, miscarriage, all of it, is that there is nothing to me convenient or flippant or irresponsible about any of it because I find it to be all so serious. Um, I, 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 I don't, and I think women are serious. I don't think women, I, I, I can't get past this idea that women are just like, Oh, whoopsie, whoopsie-daisy. Yeah, I well, just... we're not addressing the religious aspect also. Right, right. But what's so interesting to me is even the most fundamentalist, most devout people, sometimes when they're placed in these situations, um, all of a sudden, if this procedure is available to them, they take it. You know, for instance, I remember a patient when I was in residency... Um, we're talking 30 years ago, of course, you know, who was diagnosed with a cancer. And she had several children. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to live for those children. And it was the type and of she cancer was that she needed. She was pregnant and she needed treatment right away. And guess what? And you can't do treat you can't do cancer treatment and have a baby at the well, same you time. Can. You, you can. You can, depending on the cancer, right. depending on the but treatments. you're dealing with but this massive treatment. One was one that was going to um, cause severe issues for the pregnancy, right. whether it be malformations, whether it would be cause, you know, the, the, the fetus to die, whatever it was. So she chose to end her pregnancy and also being pregnant can also complicate those kinds of treatments and surgeries right. and other things that, that she would need. And she chose to terminate her pregnancy. And this was a very religious woman who, um, was anti-abortion, was anti-choice, mm. but yet, was able to make, and I, I don't know if she continued to be. I just remember meeting her during my residency right. training. Right. And I'm sure, I, I guarantee this happens every day around the world, honestly, that people who believe, you know, in the sanctity of life, suddenly it's also their life and the life of their families. Right. They're coming into play, appreciate and make that choice in face to, when they're faced with these dire circumstances. Right. And I feel like if people, if there was less stigma and shame around it, I don't know if people would feel that, and I don't know how to do that. I, and I, it's a, it's a tall order and a, and a giant wish that that could be, you know, uh, somehow eradicated. Uh, but I wonder if, you know, like shame and guilt, like it really festers in secrecy. And when people don't want to, you know, 
it's like they make allowances for themselves but not for other people it's like and they don't even make the allowances for themselves until they're in someone else until they're in those shoes right so you don't know how to put themselves in someone else's shoes right and i think that is one of the biggest issues right is is having the empathy not just um you know understanding but really the empathy of like what it would be like to be that person in that circumstance which might be different circumstances than yours and um yeah that is I I've I've heard of I've heard of nurses holding women's hands while they're having um you know an abortion and and these people being highly religious and them looking at these nurses and saying you're gonna go to hell for this I've heard those stories and it's it blows my mind because I'm I'm just like, whoa, really? Like these people, uh, I it blows my mind. Anyways, that's a whole. That's probably a whole. That's other, a whole other ball game. A whole yeah. other ball game. I want to go back to. Okay, so you talked about we we, we talked about late term abortion. So I'm just going to ask this question because this I'm not making this stuff up, guys. I wish I wish I had to make this up. This was something my family said the last time I saw them in regards to Roe v. Wade. He, people are killing babies. Do you, Dr. R, do you know anybody who's killing babies in your profession? No, but I do know that these laws will kill women. Oh, okay. So, so you don't know anyone who is like, I am a pro-abortion doctor and I'm killing babies. I know people who do family planning who perform abortions and not a single one of them is, well, is killing a baby. First of all, what's a baby? Yes, let's baby go. Baby okay, is someone is something you're not a baby until you were born you have to come out of the body and, and be breathe living air. independently right no longer a parasite right because <laughs> pregnancy is kind of a parasitic thing it's living off the mother yes um yeah and the so baby's bre- no breathing underwater like a fish it's not it's practicing breathing it's not even breathing it's getting its oxygen from the mother's okay. bloodstream so once it comes out into the world via c-section via birth canal and breathes right. that they are like this is now a baby right we, we use the term baby all the time to refer mm-hmm. to a fetus but that's not the medical term that's not the correct language okay and so uh, a fetus is different than a baby a fetus and- is inside the body okay it's inside the mother yeah you're not going to deliver a fetus you know, right. As I deli- once I delivered it, it's a baby. It's a baby. And then when is a child? When is a baby a child? Do we have a when a, it grows up? I was like, <laughs> is there an age? Is it two? Is it three? What I, is I, it? I, I don't know. Because I hear I people know. say that too. You're right, they'll killing say child. Ch- child. I'm like, no one's killing children. I mean, I hope not. I mean, if you're there's a lot of ways that children are being killed, but it's not through. Right, we could talk about guns in schools, right? Well, those people are—they're killing children. Don't get me started. That is how children have been dying. Um, yeah. Okay, so the Guttmacher Institute—I've said this stat in one of my other podcast episodes. The Guttmacher Institute reports that one in four women by the age of forty-five has had an abortion. Do you think that's a fair statistic? I've always heard one in three to one in four, somewhere in that range. Okay. So it's pretty, that's what you would say is that's a fair statistic. I've heard that. I've heard those numbers before. Okay. Um, in your, and it's, it's, yeah, it's not uncommon. Okay. It's not uncommon. Um, in your experience, do women typically use abortion as birth control? No. So you don't have women coming in and are like, uh, 
whoops, I just don't do birth control. I, it's too much for me. I'd rather just get an abortion no, I every mean, time. Th- are there women who've had six terminations? You know, sure. But are they like... Are they using this birth control? Probably not. Right. There's the... It's it's not like... It's, com- it's much more complicated than that. Right. Then we're getting into the whole thing about access, right? That um, too. Right. Disparities in care. Disparities, you know, medical disparities that exist because of economic issues. Access issues. Right. Which uh, could start to become an even bigger reality now with some of the things I'm hearing, some of the rumblings about banning birth control and stuff like that, which to me just, I can't, uh, yeah, that gives me so much anxiety. Uh, I can't even begin to really entertain it, although we have to, unfortunately. Um, Okay, so you're not seeing, there isn't this like, because this is part of this flippant attitude of convenience that I see a little bit um, of talking points is like, you know, some women use abortion as birth control. And I just don't know anyone like that. And I know a lot of women. I I don't either. And, you know, as part of our residency training, we had a termination clinic. I don't think I ever saw a woman, even somebody who had had several, Mm -hmm. um, ever come in and be flippant about it. It was a difficult decision for every single person I ever met in that situation. That's been my experience as well. Although I don't deal with as many women in, in the medical field, but I, you know, from just talking to women and not even getting really into it, it's like women getting pregnant when they don't want to be is a high, it's a source of, of, of immense anxiety, stress and fear. Yes. Stress and fear. Right. Like I don't, there's not a lot of women I know that are not like very afraid of being pregnant if they don't want to be. Um, so I can't imagine that there's just women like, I mean, I'll just do this thing. I'll just go through the drive through you know, like it's just not that. Um, okay. So this is, uh, I don't know if you're, if you can choose not to answer this question or not, but I'm going to ask it. Do you think uh, the recent reverse of Roe v. Wade and the trigger laws and bans that have gone into effect make it difficult for you to uphold your Hippocratic oath of being a doctor, which is first, do no harm. I think that these laws are going to kill women. And I think that in that way, it's causing harm to women. And I know you can only kind of answer for yourself, but do you, is there been buzz amongst the medical community and your peers that it's a source of stress that like uh, my whole my whole thing is to first do no harm. My whole thing is to help people. It's to provide health care. Yes. It's to provide health care. And termination of pregnancy is health care for women. For whatever the reason it is, it's mm-hmm. a form of health care. So they're now restricting the practice of medicine. And it's going to hurt people. It's going to hurt people. It already is hurting. It, yes. Well, we yeah, we've already seen some of the stories, and as the longer things go on, the more those stories will will be. Um, I'm sure every, and I'm sure there's way more stories than we're ever going to hear about, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we're not hearing because about people every don't want to. You're not hearing the story, a lot of stories, because of fear, right? People are fear of being prosecuted, right? And I'm talking about patients and physicians and nurses and everybody in the field alike. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. That's kind of, that's the rumblings I'm hearing too, but I'm also, you know, I have pretty strong views on where I feel on the whole subject. Okay. I have two more questions for you. And then obviously anything else that you want to kind of go off on. Um, this is kind of a big question. What do you think is needed to support women more in the medical field in general? And this can be like support doctor, you know, female doctors. This could be women in general. This is a general question, non-reproductive health specific. Gosh, I could go on forever on that one. So You're like, I've had a, a running list here. Let me, that's let me pull up my diary. That's a huge open-ended question. Yeah, what do you think is needed um, to support you know, women more? Like You're like medical studies? <laughs> Right, right. Let's talk about vaccination, right? Vaccination and pregnancy. Women are, for years, weren't included in studies. Uh, pregnant women are never included in studies. Big deal, right, when the COVID vaccine came out? Mm -hmm. Should pregnant women get it? Well, should pregnant women well, not? Is it going to harm the baby, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's not understanding the medical science. That's not understanding um, what vaccination actually is. You need to know what's in the vaccine and you know, that it was a big thing, but there were some very brave women who had no question who mm -hmm. were pregnant. Mm -hmm. I, I know several physicians who were in the earliest studies who stepped right up and said, hey, you know, this is mRNA. I know that this is... So pregnant MRNA doctors were among the ones the that you knew pregnant that were like, to, test yep. me, let's do it. Test me. And those doctors um, were in some of those earliest studies that looked at pregnant women and looked at um, after delivery that looked at the antibodies that were passed to the baby. Mm -hmm. They looked at the antibody in the cord blood. They looked at the antibodies in the baby to mm -hmm. show that the babies actually got protection from getting that vaccine during pregnancy. No different than other vaccines that we encourage in pregnancy, like the right. flu. The flu is deadly in pregnancy. We know COVID-19 is horribly deadly in pregnancy. Some of the worst things I've ever seen. I don't think people were, are talking were, enough about that either. But yeah, we're, we're, some of the worst outcomes I've ever seen were in were during the worst part of the pandemic, the earlier parts of the pandemic. We're still and even today. Out. Yeah. Even today, the people who get hospitalized in pregnancy for COVID are the unvaccinated or the undervaccinated. And then wasn't there like a huge upshot in stillborns during when all of COVID was happening? We're still seeing it. Wow. We're still seeing a small increase in miscarriages and, you know, a small increase in, in other pregnancy complications that we think may be due to COVID. Okay. But yeah. is it, we or, or is likely due to it. We know that so many things are not tested on women in the medical field. There's not, like, so many things. They'll test it on men. They'll test it on, it's same thing with like, honestly, with cars, they, they don't test like just up until recently, even a lot of car companies were not testing right. crash test dummies that were like the weight and size of women. Right. And I'm, I am probably child sized, honestly. <laughs> you're a pocket, so, you're a little pocket woman. So if I had like checked the boxes for like, you know, you should have a car size, seat. You're not supposed yeah, to be in the I front should be driving. sitting in the back in a car seat, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's is an real. airbag really designed for me? It's it's all part of that, you know, that we don't test on women. Um, women with heart attacks often written off, right? Right. We talk about despair. I like to, disparities in medicine is is one of my little pet peeves in life. Whether it is for women, whether it is for women of color, um, doesn't matter. And that's just one of those things that women are written off. They, their symptoms are not going to be exactly the same when they're having a heart attack. So. Yes. You know, we need, we need equal value. We also need equal pay, right? Mm -hmm. There's procedures that 
a gynecologist might do that are the same as what a urologist would do. A urologist is a male doctor, is it not a male doctor, is a doctor of the uro of the urogenital system. But they also take care of women too, right? So they do, yeah. Yep. Yes. So it's it's them. So but there are procedures that they may do on the man that similar procedure is reimbursed at a lower rate for women. Okay. Yeah. So it the that bias, that gender bias goes into everything. Goes into oh oh I'll go into another one of my pet topics, right? Uh, ergonomics, right? Surgical equipment, surgical okay. tables, OR right. tables, whatever. They're designed with taller people with larger hands in mind. I never even thought about that. I when I had my knee surgery, I had a female surgeon and I was so excited about it because I don't know a lot of female surgeons and I was so excited that I would get a female doctor who had had who had done over a thousand of these surgeries. So I was like very confident in her ability and I also just I I had I had a uh, uh, a sexism to the positive where I was like oh, she's a woman. Her hands are going to be small. They're going to be, you know, she's going to delicate, delicate, right? She's like that made that gave me so much peace, right? That gave me so much like uh, confidence going into it. Um, but that makes sense, right? Like you, like the you, the the actual tools you guys are using, if they're made for men, it'd be like if mm -hmm. you're using a right-handed something and you're left-handed, right? It doesn't. It's not the same. Right. You have Some to acclimate instruments yourself. are very large. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. Just basically. So there's a lot more we can do to support women in yeah, medicine in, in medicine. every way. Okay. And <laughs> it's then, a huge, huge topic. <laughs> what? Yeah. And I agree with you. Um, what is needed that you think to support women in more in the area of reproductive health? I know you, you might have kind of alluded to some of this throughout this whole conversation. Um, accessibility, you know, um, economic equality or equity, you know, is there anything more specific in that area you want to talk about? I mean, obviously, just access. Access. Access is the biggest thing. Yeah. And access that can be that can be economic access. That yes. can be access by location. Yeah. Um, and that's that everybody should have access to the care they need. That's an period. important point because actually, I remember there being an argument about healthcare in general, right? That there the the terms of words of saying um, accessible and um, available. Right. Or something like that. They were playing with words and it was like, oh, everyone has access. And you're like, OK, well, that may or may not be true. Right. Not everyone may have access to um, reproductive health care. Um, but then even if you have like access, like you can actually get there, you can find the place, you can get yourself there. Can you afford it? Is it a, right. is it economically feasible? Can you afford the child care? Yes. All of to, the things, all of the things to, around it. Or the day off from work. Right. To even just go for checkup. Right. Because this isn't something, um, although it may be deemed elective, it is not something that isn't time sensitive. So it's not right. like, oh, I guess I'll just wait till I bank up my vacation days, if you even have those, to go get this, you know, flippant abortion that everybody thinks is happening, apparently. Uh, you know, so it's like, there's a lot of different reasons why it would be inaccessible or economically, you know, difficult for women. Um, Correct. So, okay. I think you've done a fairly good job of outlining that. So Dr. R, is there anything else you want to add? Like anything that you're dying to kind of like uh, spout off about or anything you feel like I might've missed or you want to go back to? 
Uh, let me see. I took some notes. Perfect. I think I think we hit all these uh Yeah, I think we hit everything. We did. We we got all my questions answered. I think answered. we hit everything on my list. That's amazing. I cannot thank you enough for your expertise and your uh, willingness to really kind of last minute come on and do this and be flexible. Um, I, I, I was pretty confident about my little list. I was like, I think I know all the answers to this. And I, I was on the right track, but I definitely actually, I actually learned quite a bit of stuff. And I am now going to be calling any miscarriages spontaneous abortions. <laughs> That's, <laughs> that's what they are. And that's, of course, that what I took. That's what they are. Yes. And, but I, but I, I listen, if language is going to be so powerful that we silence ourselves because of words or we don't want to say them or we don't want to say them out loud or we try to skirt around them or certain words are triggering such great emotional outpour that it can change people's laws and opinions and emotions, then we need to destigmatize the words. So you start saying the words. And that is an actual scientific medical word. A spontaneous True. abortion is True. a miscarriage. I, I thought of one other thing. Yes. Um, one other thought. I'm trying to put it into words. Take your time. Um, so you just learned a lot. You, I did. You're someone who already had a knowledge base. Yes. But yet you're not trying to make laws for other people. No. You're not. You're not trying to make these decisions so i don't understand why people who are not in the exam room right with the patient and the physician are making decisions about what can or cannot happen in that room yeah you know i see a lot of jobs out in life like i'll see firemen doing firemen things and i see doctors doing doctor things and i never once have thought to go tell them how I think they should fight a fire. Right. And you know what? I, I don't, don't take actually, the hose and start and putting I, it out myself. And I don't walk into legislatures and write laws. No. No. So why are people who didn't even go to medical school? Right. Didn't train in the field. Who don't have a uterus. I'm just going to throw that out there. Who, who may or may not have a uterus. Right. Why are they trying to insert themselves into this conversation? I do think I it's um, it's bold <laughs> and not in a great way. I think uh, there's a lot of audacity there, especially I, I have a particular, it really rubs me the wrong way um, when, you know, uh, someone who is able-bodied is trying to make up things for disabled people. Um, I, it bothers me if men are making up things for women. It bothers me in these scenarios where it's like, this is not your reality. This is not your experience. This is not something you're, you have actual experience day in and day out. And you can't really have anybody else's experience, right? So one-size-fit-all kind of legislation is not going to be good for anyone ever. Uh, but it is especially offensive when someone who doesn't even have the parts that they're legislating are telling you about those parts and how or the education is. well big time they don't I, mean, even have I don't the even want to get into education but you you've never even had a period and you're going to tell people you know like what how that's all going to go down yes well again dr r i cannot thank you enough I'm trying to figure out as the series goes on, like how I can have you on again, if you ever would, <laughs> would come on again. And I just, uh, so much gratitude. And I hope that a lot of people listen to this and I really hope people 
who might be throwing around these words, listen, I don't know if they will, but I think like if you have said some of these words, you know, that 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 you can't seem to find in the Bible of all gynecologic uh, situations, um, I hope I hope those are the people that are listening, especially. And you know what? If that's not my crowd, because it most likely is not, I hope you take this information and use it, use it, use it, use it, say it, say it, speak it, shout it. Because this is real. This is expertise. This is science. This is fact. And uh, we got a myth bust um, because it's just not, it's not what it is. So thank you. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. I am so appreciative of Dr. R's expertise in the field and her service and willingness to talk with me and answer my questions. I have various resources linked in the show notes that Dr. R recommended. I hope you learned as much as I did in this episode and take with you more information to share with others when the topic of abortion and reproductive health comes up. I'm happy to do a follow-up interview, so if you have any questions for Dr. R, feel free to email them to graymaybestories at gmail.com. G-R-E-Y-M-A-Y-B-E-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. With a day or so to go before this very critical election, I hope the next time you tune in, I have some hopeful news on keeping the course of reproductive freedom and personal autonomy for women and pregnant people. Remember, if one of us isn't free, none of us are free. Vote for choice advocates, because if you're female or can get pregnant, your life depends on it. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you were able to find something relatable in today's episode. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, this is also a social experiment to see if in telling my story and the stories of others, I can embolden listeners to share their stories. If you'd like me to read your abortion story, anonymous or otherwise, on this podcast, please email graymaybestories at gmail.com, G-R-E-Y-M-A-Y-B-E-S. T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. Reminder, there is a very important election coming up November 8th, 2022. Please have a voting plan. Know the rules and regulations of your state and vote like your freedom depends on it. Because now, more than ever, it does. For more information on voting in your state, go to vote.org. Thank you to everyone who helped make this Gray Maybe podcast happen. Producer and editor Roderick Barge, Cover photo by Jose Perez. Music licensed by Pixabay. Special counsel Jada Ellingham and Roderick Barge. Special shout out to supporter Patty Olgain. If you'd like to support this podcast, please rate, share, comment, and subscribe. Until next time, bye for now.